it is time to tune up the band and put on your Foot Locker shirt for it is another episode of the Sweet Chinwag Podcast. I am Sam, joined as ever by Dan and Reardon as we continue our journey for the wacky world of professional wrestling. Good afternoon, chaps. How are we doing? Hey, um, everything's legitimately fine, which is odd. <laughs> I am okay. <laughs> I'm getting by. Yes. It's just one of what it's just been one of those weeks, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean like I'm I'm I've still been like I don't know, like a little bit ill recently. So you know. Oh, it, yeah. is it, it is what it is. As as they like to say. Who who is they? I have no idea. People. <laughs> people. There we go. Uh we give you this podcast. <laughs> Sorry. Thanks to those lovely people over at SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Forever Pending. Other platforms? You know, you know, guys, we always come running like that one moment which we're going to talk about. To <laughs> pend, because we are always pending, and we always, always will be. Lovely stuff. Lovely stuff. Also, patreon.com forward slash sweet chinwag for all exclusive stuff, including access to an exclusive Discord server and early access to episodes that come out one day early. So remember, mm. patreon.com forward slash sweet chinwag. I'm trying to do it well, I'm gonna try and double down now. I'm trying to get people over to it because, you know. It takes a lot of time and effort to do these sorts of things, and uh, we'd like to do a lot more stuff outside of the box, including one of our stretch goals, which is reviewing the entire 2001 season of the XFL. No one said that we wanted to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, no one said we wanted yeah, to do that. Don't put words in our mouth, just because you want to. <laughs> All right, fine. Just because I wanted to. <laughs> I want to review. I want to review the recent XFL. <laughs> But come on, where's the fun in that? It was only on. Uh, for- I know it was, it was actual. It was actual like competent football that was slightly enjoyable to watch. So. Exactly, I want to watch stupid football with Vince McMahon in the middle of a pitch going So wow. patreon.com forward slash switch. You can also make us watch Heroes of Wrestling there. Yes, yes, that is another stretch. Oh, working on other stretch goals as well. <laughs> Among so many others. Yes, so remember, patreon.com forward slash sweet chinwag if you want to help support us in any which way you possibly can. Okay, before we get on to talking about referees in professional wrestling, it's time to visit Dan for this week's wrestling news. Dun, 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 down. Wrestling news. <laughs> so I think, obviously, the big news story out of basically the all of this week uh, is the All Elite Wrestling Cro- X-Cross New Japan Pro Wrestling Forbidden Door Show taking place in Chicago. Ah. <laughs> Obviously, it's... it's the first time uh, in a while it feels like that we've gotten uh, a big crossover event. Obviously, ROH and New Japan had uh, <laughs> an event. <laughs> in Madison Square Garden, it was an event. That's to, to, to put it very mildly. It did, in fact, it did in fact take place. Not that people would necessarily want you to remember it. <laughs> <laughs> but we are getting AEW 
Cross versus New Japan, I assume, anyway. Street Fighter X Tekken. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Marvel um, versus Capcom, you know, Capcom versus Tatsunoko. Take your pick. SNK I mean, versus Capcom. It's kind, of, it's kind of the first time... I mean, I'd probably say it's the first time that something in the vein of, like, the WCW versus New Japan shows of, like, the 90s. Again, not that those were particularly incredible, but... They happened, certainly. They did. They certainly happened. I mean, we got the visual of of Master Chono and Sting in the same ring, you know, yeah. every so often. So I'm pumped for this. Oh, yeah, I'm probably excited for it. And I'm hoping that with um, more modern wrestling sensibilities, uh, the quality of the product won't necessarily be as compromised. <laughs> we hope. <clears throat> we hope. Hope. I've heard a lot of people say that oh, only hardcore fans are excited about this, but it's like, but, but no, I mean, I'd say there was a good portion of wrestling fans in general that seemed to be excited about this because this I gives mean, them. It's a cult. It, it's a semi-cultural event, really. Yeah, it also hmm. gives people that weren't, you know, that aren't so privy to the world of New Japan a good window into looking into the product of New Japan. Uh, today, which, right, granted, it's not the best that it has been in the past several years, but at least it's something for American fans who've not seen New Japan. Yeah. Like, at least it exists. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that's why I'm I'm excited. I mean, of course, with the, the announcement of the Forbidden Door came, you know, the discourse of uh, uh, dream matches and what the card might look like and certain moments that might happen. So... I mean, I think the first thing that came to my mind was, uh, was uh, well, Kota Ibushi versus Hangman Page. Well, because what, yeah, so what I was going to say was, if there's ever a time for Kenny Omega to make his, like, visible return, not, like, in-ring return, because, <clears throat> God, God, that man's earned enough rest. Yes. <laughs> uh, if there's ever a time for him to, like, make an appearance, then this is the show for it. Yeah. Yes. Like, and again, I think I think Kota Ibushi versus Hangman is obviously a good place for that. <clears throat> um, I mean, my my, when it comes to dream matches and stuff, really, my hope is that there are as few multi man tags as possible. Because <laughs> <laughs> in my opinion, they have been a blight on New Japan in recent years. <laughs> That's just my view on things, though. Only a tiny um, bit. Only. <laughs> I mean, if they if, if they include wrestlers that are way older than should be competing, then they're they're nine times out of ten they're like amazing. Mm -hmm. If it's anything else though, it's like awful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I heard another. I've heard another two suggestions which I would not be. Uh, I would not kind of uh, be object to, which would be uh, Miro versus Tomohiro Ishii. Oh, that would be a the great power match. Of the human cement blocks. <laughs> or we get the third match in Keith Lee versus Ishii. <laughs> you know, that'd be pretty hot. To be fair. Mm-hmm. That'd be. I, I'd be pumped for that. <laughs> now consider, consider the following, though. Powerhouse Hobbs versus Ishii. <sighs> Oh, all right, just gather all the big beefy men and get yeah. let in one corner. Let the big beefy men of AEW in one corner and just Tomohiro Ishii in the other corner. To be fair, it only needs to be Ishii on the other side. Yeah, exactly. exactly. 
Um, the um, one that's obvious to happen, which I think a lot of people have been wanting for a incredibly long time, is Brian versus Zack Saber Jr. Well, I was gonna say because do you have do you have Danielson, Zack Saber Jr. or do you push the boat and have Danielson Okada? Yeah, I, I oh, it's it's one that I'm it's, like oh, love to personally, see. Personally, I'd probably go Danielson ZSJ. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, obviously Okada probably has to have a space on this card, if not just for the sake of the appearance. Yeah, if I was, oh man, if I was to. I know, I know, you know, within interviews and, uh, you know, on his Twitter. So take it with a grain of salt. I don't know if he's doing it as a work or if it's his actual opinion that MJF wants no part of this because he's not a big fan of New Japan. But I would want to see MJF versus Okada. That would be a very interesting match, I'd say. Yeah. I would, I would see that. I think they kind of would work well together, if I'm honest. Um... I mean, Tanahashi is a one that I'm like, I could see him against this guy, I could see him against that guy, I could see him against that guy. The one that always keeps coming back to me, though, is, uh, is, it's Tanahashi versus Marks, man. Because, <laughs> I mean, yeah, Mox but I think, it's, it. I think it's, I think it's the right choice, though. Mm. Like, just go simple with it. They both won the match. We both know it will probably be pretty damn hot. Mm hmm. I heard one suggested that was thrown around, and I believe even Tom Campbell from Cultaholic said it, right? Hook versus Shibata. Okay. <laughs> now. <laughs> I love the idea. <laughs> I absolutely love the idea. Oh, but I don't know if we're not too early in it. But here's my counter. Mm. Wheeler Yuta versus Shibata. <laughs> yes, please. Yes, yes. Because if... I do like I do like the idea of Hook, but I think it's maybe too early. Mm -hmm. I had one that was that that I thought of that made that I honestly kind of made me chuckle because I don't know if people ever noticed, but. Clark Connors versus Hangman Page to find out who is the real Hangman Page. Because I shit you not, both of them look the exact same as one another. <laughs> you put a picture yeah, of Hangman I Page mean, and Clark Connors to side, uh, like together <laughs> side by side, you'd be like, which one's Hangman Page? <laughs> yeah, I mean, on My kind of different different sides of things i assume the young bucks have to be involved in this in some way mm. um i don't really know how just because the tag scene mm -hmm. hasn't been the best and i'll be honest i'd much rather have zsj in a singles match mm. agreed um i guess there's probably there's probably some some wiggle room there but one I would really like to um, see, I don't know if it will happen because I don't know if people would actually be hyped for it, but one I would like that has a ton of history to it, I would love to see Naito versus Andrade. Well, see, here's, see, 
I, I love the idea of that. But what I would love more is if there was like um if there was like space for it, right? Mm. To have like I know they've just had the coffin match, so it's kind of tough. If there was like a match that for whatever reason they put Darby Allen on the card. <laughs> Just to have like Andrade get involved, and then like obviously, like Sting comes out, and then Lij come out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like just make it as cursed as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, the main one I'm focusing on right now is I'm thinking: can we get a junior heavyweight match out of this? Mm. Obviously, I think it's tough to say exactly where you want to go that i mean i love el desperado so yeah basically anyone's a valid suggestion um honestly if this is the event to do it god i would love to see kushida return to new japan at the forbidden door that would be amazing I do, but also I don't want to see Kushida stuck in the junior heavyweights again. I yeah, I get the feeling that if they're gonna br- if they bring him back, they might bring him back to the heavyweight division. I feel like they kind of have to. He's done everything in junior heavyweights at this point. Yeah. So here's my counter: <laughs> El Desperado versus Swerve. <laughs> Ooh, that's not bad. Okay. Okay. I like that. I like that. I feel like that's the best at this point. Or El Desperado versus um, Dante Martin. Yeah, that would be a good. That would be a good match. That would be a really good match. I, I mean, think... it's done what it's done. Tony Khan's done what he set out to do. Is he's got people invested. He's got people interested, and people talking about this event yeah he does that he does i mean like we're here and we're, we're looking at it and we're going well we have a crossover event between a major american company and the biggest company in japan i don't think there's gonna be any point where you're looking at it and going oh well i, I don't know <laughs> it's not exactly small news it wouldn't be the same as if like you know, even to a lesser extent, if they announced an AEW DDT crossover show. I mean, people, I mean, that would be the one where the hardcore fans that would be hyped. That would be like the hardcore fan show. <laughs> but I feel like this is enough to be like, oh, well, it's New Japan Pro Wrestling. <laughs> mm-hmm. Indeed. People, people have probably heard of it at some point. <laughs> You'd hope. So, You'd hope. <laughs> I mean, of course, we have also got like people from potentially people from New Japan strong as well. Mm-hmm. So, like, um, I don't know, you could have someone like um, Alex Coughlin. Who's, I lo- I mean, I've been loving recently Alex Coughlin, purely because his whole gimmick now is, I'm going to throw you around the ring regardless of how much you weigh. <laughs> yes. Um... So like you've got someone like you've got someone like him. Uh, I guess also in that as well, you have got some of the recently graduated young lions. Yeah. 
I mean, so... Shooter's got to show up somehow in this event, isn't he? Oh, yeah. If, if John Moxie's there, Shooter's there. <laughs> I like, like, Moxie needs, his, Moxie needs his original adopted son. Exa- exactly. His new adopted son in Wheeler Yuta. Wheeler Yuta um, versus Shooter for who's the best son. <laughs> you know, you've got um, Umura as well. Mm hmm. Um,. So you know, there's there's there's, po- there's possibilities there. Um... <laughs> oh god, a curse bond just came into my mind. Hit me. The Tatsumi Fujinami versus Jake Roberts. No. <laughs> well, match the combined age of 140 something. Something crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, look. Fujinami. <laughs> <laughs> we all have our demons food and army <laughs> i mean look right i would love it if they just got like i mean of course like you've also got the option of minoru suzuki just appearing just to murderize someone oh if he's going to murderize anyone i would probably imagine i mean we're thinking about it now <laughs> it could be everyone on the aew roster when i think yeah, about it it. Could, be, it could be it could be literally literally anyone um <clears throat> I mean, like, like I've been saying, <clears throat> sorry, <laughs> um, if they want to do a match where just for some reason they just have like <laughs> Fujinami and Fujiwara and just a bunch of the other old guard, by all means, go ahead. Tatsumi Fujinami versus, I don't know, Dustin Rhodes. <laughs> <laughs> just, 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 just throw one out there. <laughs> oh man! And I know a lot of people have been saying it. Speaking of that, CM Punk versus Kenta to find out who really does do the better GTS. The original. See, here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. Right, I would love that match to happen, but the cursed part. The cursed part is, I would really want Kenta to win. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I know he wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just get the feeling that he wouldn't, and that's the worst part. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> but like, but like, I, like I said um, before, I do also hope that this is a possible route to open up Stardom. Yeah, to um, a greater US audience. I mean, the US audience for it is still is currently is still pretty big right now. Mm. But I hope that it can get it a bit more traction in the American scene. I know, obviously, like they have been. To- I've heard before that they're quite difficult to work with. Seems mm. on track. I hope. Well, I, all I my hope is that uh, that Tony Khan opens up to the fact that you can have more than one women's segment in a Dynamite or an AEW show. There, I went. I, mean, there. I went there. <laughs> you're being like you went there. I've been saying this for months. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, thank, thank you so much for giving us Jade Cargill versus Marina Shafir on Rampage. Yay! <laughs> cool. Can we get a second women's match, please? <laughs> All of two, a crumb. Like, acro- across two shows, we got, what, two women's matches? Mm-hmm. Cheers, mate. Brilliant. Exactly what I need. <laughs> Look, if you want more, you need to go over to All Elite Wrestling's YouTube channel to watch Dark and Dark Elevation. You have a women's tournament happening. 
<laughs> exactly. Thunder Rosa is your women's champion. Have we seen her? I don't think so. Thunder <laughs> Rosa undoubtedly yes, though. One of the most pop well, probably the most popular women's champion you had you've had. Still nothing. <laughs> Damn you, Tony! <laughs> Sorry, Khan! <laughs> That's it. That's exactly what I was hoping you were about to do. <laughs> um a real like real talk if this is going to do anything uh, again open more eyes or casual eyes to to new japan and if it succeeds hopefully we could see more crossover i mean i yeah. would not say no to more yuji nagata and satoshi kojima in aew i'll tell you that much correct, correct. uh give me more Give, that's exactly. Give me more. And hell, if we get AEW cross New Japan cross DDT in the future, oh man, oh. <laughs> I want, then you give me Kenny Omega versus Kodosuke Takeshita. No, what you give, what you give me is you give us um, uh, the Young Bucks and uh, Red Dragon. Versus a AEW New Japan DDT Super Team uh, in a Leisure Center Death Match. <laughs> a Leisure. Oh God! The Swimming Pool Death Match. I'm think. I'm personally thinking uh, Chris Brooks. Uh, I'm thinking Chris Brooks. Yuki Nwaino. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and Jun Takiyama, why not? Because he's into the city bollocks nowadays. Okay, no, let's go. Chris Brooks, Jun Akiyama, uh, meet someone from uh, AEW. Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy. <laughs> uh, and then we need someone from uh, New Japan. I'm personally choosing, but I'm currently stuck choosing between. Uh, who's the top two in my head right now? Uh, I'm gonna the, say the Great O'Card and Captain New Japan. <laughs> mm-hmm. As 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 Prince Devin would say, Captain Fucking New Japan, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I mean, personally, what I'm thinking is one of either uh. Master Wado, <laughs> <laughs> um, or um, or the table Dick Togo work. broke through. <laughs> brain work is uh, Wato or um, uh, Tai Chi. <laughs> <laughs> no, Great Okan. <laughs> Great Okan can get a match on that card somewhere. <laughs> I don't know where. There we go. There we go. So there, like Forbidden Door. I'm excited for it. I don't know about you two, yeah. chaps. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, I'll have to watch it like the next day on someone else's fight account, but like... <laughs> Be interesting I to know, that. with that being in Chicago, where All Out's go- going to be, because it's always been exclusively a Chicago pay-per-view, but the but the, the, the murmurings have been saying that they're going to try and see if they can move it to another city this year because of the New Japan AEW well, show. I don't know. I'm just trying to think of storylines heading in, because I'm because like obviously they've kind of made Chicago their like big base now. I mean, mm. Obviously, I'll see a bunch of stuff. <laughs> um, 
in terms of places I know they always go back to though, you've got Long Island. Mm-hmm. So I guess they could potentially do Arthur Rash again. Mm-hmm. Um or I guess they could go I guess they could go big and maybe try and get another fairly decently sized city. Toronto's been the name that's was kind of been the city that's been bandied about by certain news uh, outlets. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean I I mean I'd say, you know, Wembley Stadium if you just want to one up fucking WWE. But yeah. Craven Cottage. Craven uh good old Craven Cottage. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, would a yeah, show at Craven I... Cottage be blurst? Because of the way I see it, it does feel kind of blurst when I think about a wrestling show at Craven Cottage. What would be the blurst part about it? What's that? The fact that with Craven Cottage, it has to ha- it it has its really really old stand that they can't get rid of and they can't change. <clears throat> yeah. The entranceway so would actually be, be the cottage so that's in the corner. You've, you've got to be there and look at like all this staging, and then just ever so slightly from certain camera angles, you're just going to see a stand with timber roofing, <laughs> <clears throat> and you're going to get the, mo- the most damaging visual whiplash. Personally, if I was going to say that they're going to do a show in the UK and they want a really good starting place to do it, obviously. Um, WWE is doing a show at the Principality in Cardiff, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. So obviously Wembley is the like the the thing of like, well, that's the ultimate stadium in the UK, but obviously Wembley is expensive. Failing that, and it also has like ninety thousand something seats. Exactly. So. <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna fail that, I would probably I wouldn't be surprised if they said Old Trafford. And then that's what I was gonna say because Old Trafford does a lot of boxing. Mm. Which, yeah, this is a thing that happens in the UK. We have boxing events in football stadiums. Don't question it. <laughs> um, I was going to say as well, though, if they wanted to do London, they could potentially do the Emirates. Didn't White Hart Lane recently get renovated as well? It did. Now it's the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Oh, inspired name. Or <laughs> what about the London Stadium? I mean, yeah, the, East London, yeah, West Ham. I mean, I mean, well, yeah, because remember, remember the Olympic legacy that they're going to use that for athletics, and West Ham got the stadium instead. Hey, look, right, it could have gone to Leighton Orient. I would, which would have been hilarious if Leighton Orient got it. Leighton Orient, a team of bandied around the lower leagues, getting a seventy-something thousand-seater stadium, crazy, purely by lottery. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that would be a good shout. I would like to see a London stadium. That would be quite. Yeah, cool. I reckon. I reckon that. I reckon that'd be okay. And, got, and you've got your transport links sorted because all you've got to do is basically go into Stratford. God, which makes life easier to get in places. <laughs> yeah, I know. I it's know. actually it's actually somewhat easy to get to. It's, which is so strange. Of all stadiums, that that's probably one of the more easier ones to get to on public transport. Yeah, getting to Arsenal is not exactly the easiest thing in the world. Ah, <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah, all out, all out. Okay, wait, no, I'm going even more blast one. Go on. 
AEW double or nothing in the Royal Albert Hall. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, no, I mean, come on. We have like a special themed royalty dynamite. Come on, surely. I don't mm. know. I'm just coming with dumb ideas. AEW does the roundhouse in Camden. I don't know. <laughs> AEW's last night at the proms. There you go. E- <laughs> AEW in the electric ballroom. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're getting smaller and smaller in capacity. AEW just does a show in a venue that can hold maybe 600 people max. <laughs> Fucking fucking AEW at the Scar. Oh, there we go. <laughs> oh, I was going to say AEW at the Underworld in Camden. You get 100 tickets. <laughs> Maybe only 50 with the ring in there. And every single person in there formed a band. Yes. I, I tell you, was sold out. I don't know. I can't do Tony Khan. I'd have to do Bernie Sanders. Because <laughs> both of them sound the exact same. We're just getting progressively more cursed. <laughs> All right, should we just, just, just shall we move on? <laughs> okay, la- last one. AEW do a small touring show to coincide with Glastonbury. Ah, <laughs> uh, but- NXT has download. That is true. AEW gets Glasto. <laughs> Coach, no, 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 no. Or if they're cultured, they go for wireless. But I, I feel mm. like that would be too much for AEW. Exactly. I <laughs> know uh, they do it during uh, you do it during um, Hyde Park British summertime. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Rolling, Tea in the park. <laughs> rolling stones at one end of Hyde Park, and then you've got AEW at the other end. Book it, Tony. Oh, AEW, hit us up for ideas. We've got we we your um. We've got tens of ideas. <laughs> We've got ideas. We never said they were good or that they would work or feasible, no. but we've got ideas. They are ideas, though. They are, in fact, ideas. Ah, uh, all right. Uh, is there anything else in the news you wish to discuss? <laughs> no, I think we're good. We we spoke enough about Thank God, Thank God for that. Thank God for that. We can move on. Let us go over to the recommendation corner where Reardon's been patiently waiting for us to stop being crazy. Reardon, what recommendations do you have for us this week? What do you feel... How do you feel about gang violence and East London? I... mm. I mean, gang violence in general? I've never been there. It is a thing that I am very acutely aware of. <laughs> well, you're in luck, Dad. <laughs> As I have currently, finally, finally, after much delay, been watching Top Boy. Yes! Good shot. Go now, on. I will put my cards on the table. The first couple of, like, the first, like, the original, I want to say two seasons? Mm. I want to say the original two seasons of Top Boy, I don't like. I don't like them. That's I've fair. never liked them. That is fair. I, I, I don't. I, I, like, I'm sorry. I legitimately don't think they're any good. However, <clears throat> suddenly Drake and Netflix gave them all the money in the world. And then suddenly <laughs> it was really good. Yeah, but that's because Drake came over for wireless once and then went, I'm a roadman now. 
<laughs> yes, which uh, I would like to go on. Damn, you're laughing, but that's actually what happened. No, that is no, no, that is literally, yeah, no, that that, that so, is what happened. I'm sorry, you come from Toronto, man. Yes, yes I'm telling yes. you, he 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 found out about Skepta and was like, oh, this guy seen this guy's really good, and then came over for wireless ones, appeared on stage with him, and then he thought it was like, yes, I am definitely a roadman now. Does that give him yeah. carte blanche to start going brap every single time he's in London? Oh, he tried. Like, Oh, he tried. He tried, and which... he tried. He tried do- talking like he was from South London, and it was horrific. Oh, yes, I, no. he, oh, he did. Oh no, he did. And I would like to. I think I state for everyone, Drake, stop it. Yeah. Just give. Just give the people from Top Boy the check and walk away. <laughs> That's all you need to do. All you need to do. Oh, didn't you know he was part of the Ealing Massive, though, Rid? Christ almighty. <laughs> Look, we're getting off topic here. <laughs> the point is that um, the most current season is pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. Performances are very strong, as usual. Uh, I hear that there's only going to be one more season. I'm looking forward to seeing that season whenever it comes out. And, yeah, that is my recommendation. Like, Like, you might need to... Like, if you are watching it on Netflix, you have to go for Top Boy Summer House first if you want the complete... Don't go... Like, that's the annoying thing. The first two seasons are called Top Boy Summer House instead of Top Boy. They're not all just in one season Mm. for one just one, like, block on Netflix. It's very annoying. So, yeah, go for Top Boy Summer House and then Top Boy, and then you'll be able to catch up. But that's my recommendation. Good Watch Top Boy. For it's, our American really listeners good. that are interested, you might want subtitles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 That's another thing. Yeah. Like it is very much like modern English slang, which is. Generous. Unless your family come from the Caribbean, if they're from yeah, the Caribbean, yeah, you might be on yeah. Caribbean. Unless, yeah, unless you're from the Caribbean, you'll be fine. If I mean, not... I, I was going to say you thought the wire was a tough watch. Oh, that... <laughs> oh, like I find the wire hard watch. Top boy, I can understand perfectly. So it's, it's your it's your term now. It's your time now, Americans. Oh, great recommendation, Reardon. I also want to shout out that um, the latest episode of OSW Review, which was Halloween Havoc 1998, and the dear uh, editor of OSW and dear friend of the of the podcast, Chris from Reload, uh, Reload Last Save, did a little edit there. That was a uh, that was kind of sort of influenced inspired by uh yours truly which is it's mind-blowing that i st- that I, I that i could say that you know after watching osw for so many years that their editors like the impact the impact it's it's crazy like directly inspired by what i've done so it's it's nuts it's truly truly nuts and i loved it what he did because he was he basically if you've not seen it reardon he did a 70s porn pastiche of uh hogan versus warrior at wrestlemania 6 so perfect (laughs) it's it's magnifique, is what it is, because I read back recently to watch it and realised how homoerotic Hogan versus Warrior it actually is, was. This is why I'm here, and people say to me that they're like, "What do you mean wrestling is gay? Like it's there in front of you." Yeah, that's a question. <laughs> people still debate me on this. Okay, right? Why? Mm. Because people are fragile. 
<laughs> I'm guessing most of the people because that you... there's nothing more masculine than sweaty men in their underwear graph boy. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, that's my recommendation. And with that, <laughs> it is time to get on with the main portion of our episode. Wrestling referees. Now, you'll be pleased to know, chaps, that there's not much of a structure we're going to have for this one. Because <laughs> we're going to go have... I don't think we need much of one. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But if if people are none the wiser about what an actual referee is, um, would you like to give us the bare bones, one sentence Pokedex entry, Reardon, for what a referee is in pro wrestling? In a, in a sentence? In, in a word? In, in, in one sentence? <laughs> a referee is an obstacle. <laughs> you know what? He's actually right. He's <laughs> legit. He's actually... Holy the shit. Part is, the, the best part, that was the first thing that came to my head. I'm and you're absolutely done right. <laughs> oh, oh. Oh, referees, referees, referees. Um, yeah, obstacles, unsung heroes, player free, player. Yeah, conductors. If you've ever, if you've ever, if you've ever done, um, if you've ever done special guest referee in 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 one of the wrestling video games, you, you know, <laughs> screw you, you know, screw the, player two over. It is, it is absolute chaos. That's it, yeah. Jake. You're not around. You're not allowed to come around and have ice cream with me anymore. Oh, him, how many? I think then, like, it's not up there with Monopoly, but it's in the same. <laughs> it's in the same sport. Yeah, put it that way. I can remember doing special guest referee mode with my cousin once, <laughs> and basically from the moment the match started, I just picked one of them and I was like, "I'm gonna make you life hell." <laughs> <laughs> Immediate DQ. I feel, um, I feel like that says more about me. Fast counting. <laughs> Wait, oh, look. Sorry, that was, was... Oh, that was only a two. <laughs> One, two. Whoops, my finger slipped. Whoops, my finger slipped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've absolutely. all done it. We've all done it. So, to give you the sort of entry from what i've gathered on the internet and as well as the great encyclopedia that is wikipedia <laughs> in professional wrestling a referee is the authority figure present in or near the ring during matches now their purpose is similar to that of referees in other combat sports like boxing or mma that is they are an arbiter of the rules and the person charged with rendering the decisions in actual reality, though, referees like the wrestlers <laughs> are kind of participants in executing the match in accordance with this, with its script and its booking, including its predetermined outcome. And they're responsible for controlling the flow of the match and for relaying information to the backstage officials. So, <clears throat> the so <laughs> we all know that, and that's the reason why they have also. They have the earpieces because they they're there with a mic as well to tell well not only to get uh, get get information like how long they've got on the clock if they need to quicken or slow down the pace they're also there to kind of tell them oh something's happened or right this this is what happened this is what the he he or he, she has said uh, during the match 
they also again they're, they're the ones that are responsible for if they for letting the wrestlers know when they've cut commercial break and when they come back from commercial break hence why you see that if you've ever watched uh footage especially in wwe of uh just commercial breaks and a lot of them doing rest holds that's the ref telling yeah. them to, oh yeah you can go to rest hold city now now randy orton said say no more <laughs> so a quote here from a, a steve classic referee of the wwf jimmy corderas he says that the purpose of a ref is to help the talent tell the story whilst being invisible. Now, for a lot of referees in the, in and around wrestling, they've done more or less done that, and they've been quite a, they, they've been really more in the background and just in completely invisible to the action going on. Some of us, uh, yeah. some of us, <laughs> they they sometimes really love to put their faces right in the middle of a match. <laughs> now, yep. here is where some interesting uh, facts I came about uh, referees when researching about about this topic uh, I came across. So, referees are, are specifically selected by their employers subject mm -hmm. to their height and their weight. So they've got to meet a height and weight requirement. Now, <clears throat> referees should be no more than six foot tall and weigh no more than 180 pounds. And generally... Sometimes you can get away with it if you are or not. Shouldn't really display a non-athletic, or should display, I should say, a non-athletic physique. Well, because this is the thing, right? And it's a whole thing we'll get into it later, which is the whole discourse around, oh, wrestlers shouldn't be smaller than the reps. <laughs> but this is a separate thing, though, because with... I mean, to be fair, I think it's just a WWE thing mm. at this point. <clears throat> But WWE at one at some point, I don't know really when, they transitioned to bringing in wrestlers to train as refs, mm -hmm. which then made all the refs look exponentially bigger. <laughs> yeah, and it's like I understand the position of that, but like also why? <laughs> I mean, I, I guess it seems like a strange choice to me. It does. It oh, does. Yeah. Um, we'll get to it later. Though. <laughs> so, of course, uh, you guys are are kind of aware of the refs and their main jobs. We've talked oh. about all of the uh, of stuff. Of course, there's a height and weight requirement, which again, again, their main reasoning is <clears throat> purely to emphasise the height, weight, and musculature of the larger wrestlers and to compensate yeah. for smaller stars. But uh, some of the things that referees uh, need to relay and need to do in order to kind of keep the flow of a match going or to kind of uh, relay a message back backstage about something that's happened and they need to, you know, require immediate attention. So everyone knows, is aware nowadays of the infamous X sign. Yeah. Yes. So if, if, uh, if an injury or a real injury has occurred midway through the match... They know a referee knows to go to that opponent, ask them if they are okay or if they're injured. They say they're okay. The match can continue. The way that they uh, the, the way they really relay the information back uh, to the backstage is that they swing that they put both arms in the air and just kind of jump both uh, both arms in the air. So that can so the 
so the match can continue. If the person is injured, they throw an X sign up with their arms to alert the backstage and hopefully to get some officials and paramedics down as soon as humanly possible. Now, most of the time when this is used, it is used when a person is legit injured. But of course, very recently, more more recently than, uh, than it has been... Uh, past decade or so people have certain companies have booked to use the x sign in a storyline kind of uh tactic yeah. one of the more famous ones i remember um was actually if if i remember it was the wrestlemania 22 when rick flair was superplexed off the top of the ladder by matt hardy yeah and he looked like he legit injured himself uh which which remember i would not have been surprised because rick flair did survive a plane crash and his back never fully healed <laughs> yeah like he legitimately stopped taking bumps on his back like forever uh so jimmy corderas and mike kyoda who were officiating the match both threw up the x sign but yeah. but pretty much i think it was about seven or eight minutes after that flair was taken to the back flair comes straight back out <laughs> So again, absolutely, they just use that as a way to kind of you know put some higher stakes into it. Yeah, uh, but even though Flair you wasn't know, injured, gonna... I take a little bit of umbrage to. No, think... I take I take absolute umbrage. I'm like, don't do that. Don't yeah. do that. I mean, it, it, it's <clears throat> from from the wrestling perspective, and I'm I'm saying this in the perspective of you are someone in the wrestling industry. Hmm. So this I is... can I can I can see why mm. they might try and muddy the water because most fans know what the X sign means. Yeah. So I can see them being like, oh, well if we do this, they're gonna think he's actually injured. If he's actually injured and comes back out, that's gonna be really dramatic. But obviously most fans probably at that point are then thinking, what the fuck is he doing out here? He should be in the back. Like we don't want you to die. <laughs> yeah. This is where uh, I think uh, you got to give AEW a little bit of credit here because instead of using the X sign, they have two-way radio communication now, so they can directly uh, like communicate back to the backstage and uh, medical staff to say, "Okay, so and so is injured. We need someone out here right now." As a matter of fact, I believe um, the most recent, or it could have been. It might have been the the one before, uh, the 2020 All Out. I think a match. I can't remember what match it was, but it was stopped for a medical checkup. And instead of throwing the X sign, I believe the ref did actually just you know put put uh, a hand to the ear and to to, to relay the information back. So well, yeah, because they they have that, and then they also have the um. I've seen them go to the, the timekeeper's table. Yeah. Mm to do it as well. I can't remember what match it was, but um, I feel like I've seen them do that before. Yeah. Yeah. So, chaps, <laughs> you know one of the most kind of over... the most overly used tropes for referees in professional wrestling, but one of the kayfabe rules that referees must absolutely adhere to is this. They are not allowed to make decisions based on anything that they do not personally witness. Now, because of this, distracting yeah. and incapacitating the referee is often an element for heels during matches. <laughs> so okay, this is right. why... We're, we're going we're gonna to get into this talk. Go, continue your point. Though. So this is why 
referees, all referees, have the IQ of a goldfish. They really do. <laughs> it, it, it is like, um, I always think of this as like the wrestling equivalent of when sci-fi books or yeah. like sci-fi media, whenever there's anything they can't explain, it's either quantum physics or nano machines. Yes. <laughs> like, it, it's just a way to just be like, look, right, this is just the rule. This is what happens, even though you know it makes no sense. Even <laughs> even though, right, I'll be here, I'll be honest, but I have no understanding of quantum physics. <laughs> but I know they're put. I know that writer is putting it there because they don't want to have to explain it. <laughs> and that this is the wrestling equivalent. I'm guessing refereeing nano machines make them so they don't have to, they don't have any peripheral vision, and that their hearing is absolutely like they've got permanent tinnitus because I'm surely they cannot hear the crowd reaction as well. <laughs> so when something right. happens, it is it is the most. Nest, it's like <clears throat> it really is like a necessary evil almost. Mm-hmm. I think the it's... thing is, it's from a, from a writing perspective, it annoys me to no end. <clears throat> but like, it's just like refs can't ever see anything. Mm-hmm. Also, a kayfabe requirement is for them to have multiple concussion syndrome. I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no. Like, are, are we going to get onto the point about ref bumps? <laughs> Let's get onto the point Here of ref bumps. So, one of okay. the main, if, main if, things. If a referee gets hit at any point, even with a basic punch, they have to go down to the ground and be down for at least a deep three minutes. Yes. Yep. Now, the most, and we've talked about this actually very recently, the most infamous one of a ref bump when he was knocked out for an allotted amount of time was good old Mike Kyoda at WrestleMania 17 when he was knocked out for 10 minutes. Incredible. Like, I understand that you've got to get your stuff in. <laughs> like, they leave the ring do an entire spot and come back in that time and he's still not up like it's just beautiful isn't it personally i think some of the refs might need wellness policy checks yes just to make sure they're okay because they clearly don't be able to ha aren't ha able to handle the problems that are happening in the ring <laughs> oh man <laughs> Oh, I love it. But no, like it is it is literally just like the necessary evil almost of wrestling. Mm. Where it's like a ref takes a move or like gets hit in any way and then that's just it. And then like, you know, the heel does their stuff. Um or like cuz like the one that really annoyed the one that really annoys me is like when the ref's turned around and then someone gets hit with a chair. Yeah. Like, <laughs> respectfully, there's no way of making that sneaky. <laughs> it's the crowd. Someone's it's the, there. It's, it's the echo. Someone's, someone, someone's behind them, though. Someone gets hit loudly with a big metal slap. Someone's down the ground and they count the pin and I, I don't even question it. 
Whoa, he's down. How did he get down all of a sudden? Oh, I Yo, mean, I the that's crazy, bro, man. Like, I have no idea. What's the title suddenly doing at the corner <laughs> of the ring? <laughs> I have a, I have a slightly lesser problem with, like, when it's a tag match. Mm. And, you know, like, um, someone hits a move while someone's, like, distracting the ref. Yes, uh, especially if like the the face tag team they've made a blind tag, the ref's not seeing it, and he takes them back, and then of course you've got the heels wailing down on the uh on his partner. That's always a good storytelling device. Can I, can I can I get your view on a classic piece of wrestling commentary discourse? Go on about the uh, two refs for tag team matches. <sighs> See, I, I well, so, but basically talking about the fourth official in professional wrestling. Basically, yeah, because <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's a it's a personal it's a personal favorite of mine. If you haven't had the chance to see it, be a stuff from it. Um, <clears throat> I I believe it was Resurgence in the UK. I might be wrong. Mm. Um, but Resurgence, a company in the based over here in the UK. They do lots of really cool theme matches. So recently they've been doing their Time Warp events. Yeah. Which were all themed on classic British wrestling. Mm. A lot of fun. Uh, they had a VAR match. <laughs> with, a is... video, with a video official. Kind of shows you how important officials are, hey? <laughs> so they, and they, had, they had a spot where someone got hit while the ref was distracted and then it came up on the screen showing them <laughs> getting hit and the person on the outside of the ring being sent to the back <laughs> see premier league that's the way to do var and this has been and this has been this has been like it's been like the joke thing in wrestling it's like oh man someone someone on the video team should be telling them <laughs> Yeah, do something, do something productive, Kevin Dunn. <laughs> but yeah, there's the whole like two referees for tag matches thing that I've always thought has been an interesting concept, but I've never seen it executed. Same. I'd like to see it come to fruition, see what it'd actually be like. So you could have like the referees probably bickering with one another about what had happened, and is oh, no, I'm telling, and then chaos ensues. I, I, I get the feeling that it would fit the vibe or something like. Um, when before they obviously everything changed, when ROH debuted the first pure rules tag match, yes. So, oh. like, I feel like that would be an interesting visual idea. Oh, that would have been great. About making sure people aren't breaking the rules and making sure people aren't like, like, um, you know, like properly counting rope breaks and stuff. Yeah. Like, I feel like that would be quite a cool idea if someone was to try it. Yeah, I mean, I, give it a try. I mean, you've got the—I mean, you've got the whole company in the palm of your hand, Tony. You can experiment, I guess. <laughs> and if there's a wrestling company that wants to permanently bring the video referee to wrestling, I'm all here for it. <laughs> yeah, you run, you write, you run an entire angle about the, how the person running the video referee is biased. It's great. <laughs> it writes itself. I'm a booking genius. What can I say? 
And then it's just basically 15 minutes of wrestling pundits in the back going, I tell you, VAR's yeah. not worked properly. It's not implemented properly in our Dude, beautiful oh, game of wrestling. You, could, could you imagine, though, you do the back, you do like a backstage panel interview. <laughs> At the end of the day, it doesn't bloody work, and then Jeff. You get it. <laughs> and, then they, and then you run an entire segment, which is basically Soccer Saturday, but for, rest, but for the wrestling event. <laughs> Chris Camaro sees something you know, ringside. You know, they, they, they... <laughs> What's happened, Chris? Chris I don't know, Jeff. Did something happen? <laughs> was, was there a tag? I didn't see it, Jeff. <laughs> I love the fact Rin's got right, completely... Someone please, someone please steal this idea. Yes, this, but... is, this is brilliant. This is brilliant content. Chris Kamara in professional wrestling. Yes, please. <laughs> a ringside correspondent. Pro of uh, I have well wrestling car wrestle carnival they're the ones that could use that. I was that. gonna say cause it, it it it's it's Gillette Soccer Saturday so it have to I guess in terms of alliteration it'd be wrestling Wednesday but that doesn't really work. <laughs> oh, read 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 it. we can we we can workshop this idea. I yes. think we've got a brilliant idea for someone to steal right here. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> steal it, whoever. <laughs> whoever whoever in the British wrestling scene actually wants to make the scene better steal the idea yeah <laughs> so. wrestling res, whole, all of that wrestling VAR soccer Saturday but wrestling in, in, got an entire angle booked out of it get the video ref in wrestling I'm, I'm after this I'm getting on to Connor to book I'm this, sorry right? the moment you do that you're going to get you're going to get a the anonymous general manager again. Oh, um, okay. You, you know, know it's is... you know it's true. <laughs> you know what? This is Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I hate to burst your bubble after all this talk, but that's how you get it. That's how you get it again. And I don't want both of you to be screaming for twenty minutes every single week on this podcast because of it. <laughs> Okay, look, right, we'll, we'll workshop this, we'll workshop it. Okay, sure. <laughs> yes. Sure. Yes. Uh, so, before we get on to our favourite, or kind of like more kind of like most notable referees in wrestling, I want to talk a little bit about the attire that over the years, especially in the WWF, because it's changed quite considerably for quite a long time. So, back in the 70s and up until the early 80s, still on, up, operating under the WWWF, they wore the traditional black and white striped shirts, you know. Hence why yeah. I said Foot Locker, because you know. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like, I feel like though, pretty universally, that's recognised as like the referee's attire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's it, because like the thing is, we don't. I mean, we don't have it in the UK anymore for football or mm-hmm. rugby. Yeah, but mm. it's still recognisable over here. As being the symbol, I mean, it was what referees wore for most of like the eighties and nineties. Only really changed like the mid two thousands, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's because it's synonymous with so many other sports, the black and white. Yeah, stripes. I, I mean, obviously, um, yeah. in 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 the US, it's NBA uh, uh, refs wear it, NHL, NHL do, yeah, NHL do as well. I think the only one that doesn't is, I guess, baseball. Yeah, yeah, not I... baseball though. The NFL don't either. They I do. Think. They do. They. Yeah, it's black and white stripes for the NFL, but I don't. I I feel like they may have changed once or twice, but it never really it stuck. I don't know. I, I when I think of the, maybe not. Um, 
the main official, but all the ones that are on the side observing the lines. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm fairly sure, dude. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm I know wrong. that for certain. <laughs> so, in the mid-80s until 1995, the ref's attire had changed to a blue-collar shirt and bow tie, similar to that of boxing officials. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, I kind of always liked the look of the blue-collar shirt and bow tie for big events, like especially WrestleMania, like big WrestleMania matches. Yeah. I've always had the mm. blue, like the blue-collared shirt and bow tie uh, in the Golden Age. But what I really did like of ref's, ref's attire was, of course, they go back to the black and white in 95. But during the brand extension in 2002, uh, they had two different ref shirts to differentiate both shows. So you had Raw, you had yeah. the classic, the classic black and white stripes. Over in SmackDown, you had the blue and black pinstripe, which yeah. I genuinely liked. I liked the look of that ref shirt back in the day. I was I was always quite a fan of... Um... There was a period of time when I believe it was ECW, mm-hmm. and the rest were all black. Yeah. I was quite a fan of that. Yes, very similar to uh, mixed martial arts referees. Yeah, just the, the, just the all straight black and then having like the logo on it. You know like who legit had probably like the best look for the, the SmackDown ref shirt? It was Brian Hebner. Because he wore yeah. blue and black Jordans as well <laughs> instead of That's shoes. Did, yeah. Most people, most of the rest are just in loafers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, most of them wear like. But then again, though, because it, it can bring us to one of the most well known refs, probably currently, red shoes. Red shoes. Oh, man. What, it, what a dude. It is just an. It is just a visual distinction. Exactly. Not because again, it's that thing of like uh, some referees don't, you know, have the very classic look. But there are some like Tiger Hattori and indeed Red Shoes who go out of their way to kind of just, you know, have a little quirk here and there. Yeah, that's so. This gets into something actually. How do we be like? It's a very interesting thing. How prominent should a ref be in a match? I I think. Or my view of it has always been <clears throat> the ref shouldn't necessarily be a character in a story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, in the way that you might like write a named character. Mm-hmm. But the ref should be recognizable. Yes. Like they shouldn't be the focus. But they should have like you know something about them, something that makes them distinct. <laughs> I'll tell you this much: there was, and I kid you not, in the New Japan show, um, the Royal Quest uh, show uh, a couple of years ago, which I was I was there for. Uh, very glad I was there for. We had a, I think it was a two to three minute chant of Red Shoes when he came out for the main event. <laughs> we chanted, we popped huge <laughs> for Red Shoes, and he recognised it and gave everyone a bow. So <laughs> think of that. No, because, like, but think, but think about it though, right? <clears throat> Sam, mm-hmm. you're probably the most knowledgeable on wrestling here, right? Uh, sort of. <laughs> can you sort can of. you please can you please name me a current WWE referee? The only one for me that comes to mind, but only because, uh, only because he's been here and there. Um, oh, 
what was his? I uh, know, like no, I there was one that came to my mind, but I don't, I realised that he doesn't work there anymore. That was okay. Chad Patton. He doesn't work there anymore, okay. does he? So this leads me to the thing of WWE. Now, refs are unimportant, basically. Yeah. And this kind of cuts into the thing we said about referees are the third player. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because all the WWE refs, we've, all the refs we can think of, that I can think of on my head, I associate with WWE or, I guess, WCW technically. Oh, Hebner. Yep. Brian Hebner. Mm-hmm. Mike Chioda. Mm-hmm. Charles Robinson. Yeah. Tim White at push, but, oh, God, we'll get to Tim White, so... Right. We associate them with, you know, probably what we would term the 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 peak age of wrestling, we'll say. Yeah. Yes. And we note that they are they were all in some way characters that were not important to the story, but involved in some way. In some cases more than others. Yeah. I'm looking at you, Nick Patrick. <laughs> and this is and this is the thing that I kind of say about it, right? AEW has Bryce Remsburg, uh, Aubrey Edwards, Rick Knox, Rick Knox. You know, we we know their names. Hmm. Yeah, you know, Tiger Hattori, Red Shoes. Probably more for other companies that don't come off the top of my head. Todd Sinclair. Uh. Oh, uh, right. Rudy Charles in TNA, but he's now, you know, going by his real name, Dan Engler. I believe he's yeah. still, no, he's still with WWE, is uh, Rudy oh, Charles. Okay. There you go. He's on the Raw brand. There you go. <laughs> right. But it hasn't been seen for quite a while. So, because I, I, cause I think as well, though, right, I think to MMA, I think it's like UFC, right? <clears throat> and then in in all of the stuff with all like this all this huge stuff going on with like UFC and like the absolute peak times. I can still visually remember in my head, the name Herb Dean. Yes. <laughs> and that's the thing I think of when we, when we talk about what do referees mean to it? Mm. I'm sure there are probably people out there who, who know their boxing that can probably name some famous boxing referees mm-hmm. because they are still a person that has personality to it. Basically. They still have an influence over the way matches go. You know Ex- what I mean? Exactly, yeah. exactly. So <laughs> basically, what we're trying to what we're trying to say here is we need more wrestling referees like Per Luigi Kalina. Yeah. No, but like again, <laughs> if, okay, you know, if you want to think about it in foot, if you want to think for our you gay listeners, you want to think about it in football terms, right? <clears throat> if I talk to most football fans in this country and I say the name Mike Dean, <laughs> right? They know exactly what I mean. Yeah. And to be fair, he probably has the closest uh, to the football equivalent of heel heat. Yes. In the country. Yes. Because if I say that name, everyone knows exactly what I mean. And they think of a ref who never actually makes the right calls for anything. <laughs> they think they think of the ref that is biased against their team. And it's every single person who's watched every single team in the Premier League that thinks that. Yep. Yeah. 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 It's just It just is what it is. Yeah. They're, pe- they're people that have character. They make decisions. So it's only natural that in a story, people would react to the decisions that they make. I mean, I'm and like, you know, I, I talk about AEW and about how, you know, 
you know, for like for their tag matches, the referees are like far too lenient on stuff. Mm-hmm. Like people just yeah, they, they, yeah. Do, they do they do whole segments where both members of the tag team and like everyone's involved in the ring for a deep ten minutes. My my guy, where's my five count? Yeah, <laughs> where, where is someone ringing the bell? The, yeah, the, the refs on the refs on tag teams are on a wild one. They don't care. No, that's the thing. They, they, it's like it's like they just let anything happen. But right. For the most part, when I watch their matches, I can like look at Bryce Remsburg and I can see he kind of has like mannerisms and he has ways that he talks to the people. I see when I watch an Aubrey Edwards match, I can think about the way she does stuff and the way she responds to stuff. I mean, when but I watch a Rick Knox match, I watch him super kick the young bucks. But you know, that's yeah. that, that's to, to each their own, <laughs> right? But like, yeah, you know, they are still people that still have their own character. They still yeah. have. To play they're not just like you know I, there is the thing about like oh a referee should be invisible and to a degree i i, I accept that mm-hmm. referee shouldn't be upstaging people no yes but y- your referee still has a part to play in the story that you're telling that's why and i'm that a big fan not. of bryce remsburg and i know a lot yeah. of people a lot of people a lot of people have shat on Bryce, but honestly, I think he's one of the better referees in modern wrestling, if you ask me. Because the thing is, I would say Bryce Ransberg is, in my opinion, the modern day referee template. Yes. I mean, there is no referee I don't think could have done Invisible Man versus Invisible Stan uh, officiated no. that match quite as well as Bryce Ransberg did. <laughs> so, you know, that, that's, that, that's, that's the way. That's the way I see it. I, I massively agree. As we're on the subject of, of, you know, talking about referees, let's, you know, let's open the floor out and let's talk about some notable referees during our time in wrestling. I want to start at the very beginning with someone you may not have known back in the day was actually a referee. We're talking about the golden age of the WWF. In the 80s, of course, we had the twins, Dave and Earl Hebner. Uh, We'll get on to the latter later, the very end. Of course, the Hebner twins were part of that very famous moment uh, during Saturday night's main event where they bamboozled Hulk Hogan into losing the WWF title. Uh, to uh, to uh, Andre the Giant, who then handed it over to Ted DiBiase. I still, to this day, remember the backstage promo he had with me, Gene, saying, oh, he's got to have prosthetics. It, he, oh, he had, he'd been bamboos. It was a different referee. I, I can't understand. He didn't comprehend Hulk Hogan that they could have actually have been twins. <laughs> <laughs> it just makes me laugh that Hulk Hogan didn't know that twins were actually a thing. <laughs> another, another one back in the golden age of the WWF was a young plucky 20 year old who was not relatively known but was a, a solid officiator would do stuff for WWF superstars wrestling challenge a couple of main events here and there he was known as Shane Stevens but we know him better as Shane McMahon really? Yep, that, Shane, is, that is true. I was Shane aware of this. got his start as a referee of the WWF. Wow, man. He was also part of the officials in suits that would split up wrestlers if they were like, you know, during like heated exchanges and they'd start beating yeah. each other up. Oh, I gotta love it. Wow. <laughs> it's an interesting thing to think of. 
it, that it is really, really is. But that, yeah, I mean, that kind of makes a little bit of sense. Although, yeah, although, like, very quick sidebar, I'm very surprised that they didn't try and get Shane on commentary. I'm surprised that they did ever... in 1998 for Sunday Night Heat. Okay. Uh, but apparently he wasn't very good. <laughs> That's actually kind of surprising. I thought you'd be pretty yeah, good at that. It is. It's it's strange. That's strange. I mean, that's the reason why uh, Shane McMahon is a commentator in the WWF Attitude Game. Right. Of course, we'll be talking about the Golden Age. We've got to talk about one Michael Joseph Kyoda, who got yeah. his start in 1989. Fun story about this. He lived close to Gorilla Monsoon funny enough and he was the person yeah. who helped break him into the wrestling business as a ref and his cool. uh, his debut would was in survivor series 1989 oh wow yeah and he after okay. that he didn't come back to the company until wrestlemania 8 and that's when he began to be a more regular full-time referee so Although, mike, let's yeah. talk mm, mike kyoda what okay. a ref! <laughs> yeah, let's talk about the fact that I that thanks to that name, I keep I keep on getting it wrong and thinking his name's Mike Shinoda, and that <laughs> Mike always Shinoda. always bugs the crap out of me. Uh, Mike 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 Shinoda, yeah. uh, the one half of the refer of the referee duo <laughs> with Chester Flemington. Oh my Just... god! Um, yeah, I mean. Hell of a career. Again, you could argue that Mike Kyoda debatably is the ref. It really depends on who you ask. Would you say he is the perfect Kalina of professional wrestling referees? Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, a three-decade career for the WWF is unheard of, may I add. Unless your name's Vincent Kennedy McMahon, but... I don't know. I feel like to define someone as the Pierluigi Kalina, they need to, people need to be actively scared of him. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, Mike mm. Kyoto always got... Well, I'll say this. People feared Mike Kyoto after he did the People's Elbow to Nick Patrick. That's fair. <laughs> but to be fair, though, that moment is goaded. <laughs> that is absolutely... Because it's the look on Mike's face as he, as he kind of kicks Nick Patrick's arm, getting ready for the people's elbow, and the pop of the crowd. As he goes, am I really doing this? Fuck yeah, I'm doing this. Oh, but he has been like... Like one of the more iconic refs for a lot of big moments. Oh, like yeah, he yeah. was the oh, yeah. he was the ref for the uh one two three kid Razor Ramon match that the big upset of that he was part of uh well he officiated Austin versus Michaels at WrestleMania fourteen. He was the one that officiated Rock versus Hogan at WrestleMania eighteen. Yeah, like he's like been huge. Like he he is very, he's the person I often associate with, like, you know, big match. Mm. Mike, you get Mike Kyoto in. He's like the guy who's like dependable and you can always, like, the guy you bring in for it. Mm. Like, mm. so many WWE main events at pay per views, so many, you know, Summer Slams, Survival, Survivor Series, big match moments. Also, the man who took so many fucking bumps. <laughs> <laughs> during his career. Oh yeah, yeah. 
<clears throat> it's kind of mad how many bumps he's taken, isn't it? Like, when you think about it, he's like he's taking the, the same amount of bumps that like wrestlers in them like rest like some people who haven't taken that many bumps in their entire careers mm -hmm. what is this nonsense <laughs> oh just i i just man so it, it i tell you it came as a massive surprise to me when they did the whole when they did the massive cuts in 2020 that mike's name was on that list like legit I mean, surprise I, <clears throat> if i'm a company then what I would do is I would make sure that I'm keeping someone like him on the books just for training other referees. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, that, that would just be the way I would think about it. Yeah, I mean, because if you, you, you know, after a 30-year career, you you know the ins and outs, the intricacies of a WWE-style match like the back of your hand. That That's worth its weight in gold. Yeah. Any referee. Like, you just need someone that you can I basically just rely on. Mm -hmm. Someone that you can have there and be like, okay, um, you know, we need someone to go out there and you know, this is the kind of match we've got going on. You know, can, can we trust you to do that? Yeah. It seems to be like that that's that just that's almost yeah, again. It's worth its weight in gold, that sort of thing. So it, it, it confused the heck out and surprised the heck out of me that his name was on that list. Of course, Mike would, you know, end up doing a, a main event match for AEW. Uh, and but was never seen again, pretty much after that. From what I've heard, it looks like he's, he's just taking a break. He hasn't, like, formally announced any sort of retirement. Mm. Um, so we shall see what happens like his last his last officiated match was the tnt championship match between cody rhodes and darby allen at full gear 2020 but since then not much has been heard of mike since i mean yeah, he, i believe I think, he did an episode of the chris van vliet show but apart from that yeah but i, I think with where AEW's officiating is right now I'm, i can't say it's been many major major mistakes true very like true. I said, I still I still have my complaints about <laughs> tag matches, but that's just me being stickler. <laughs> true, true. All right, going down the list, Jack Doan, another another veteran of the industry who ended up retiring in 2013, started in 1991. Again, Jack Doan is one of the more infamous referees for being the man for the Divas catfight bump. Now, if you know what that bump is, it's the one where the ref gets rolled over. <laughs> <laughs> by the Divas. Oh, yeah. He was the one that innovated and was mostly the person, the ref, that took it the most. It's... What a, what a weird job description, right? <laughs> like, you, like, we're gonna do that spot. We know exactly who to call. I don't... <sighs> Jack, it's... get your ass out and... Into the ring now. We need you to do, do the, the deepest spot. Do the jobs. Do the job. Uh, he was also the sole, well, the sole referee uh, during the 24-7 ruling of the hardcore title. Right. So he was the one that was following Crash Holly around the most. 
Yeah, I wonder what that. I wonder what stories he has about that. Twenty four seven titles are weird one because like your job as a referee is to just pop up behind the camera <laughs> yes. at the end. Like, yeah. like they just quantum leap because you never see. Well, actually, that's a lie. A lot of the time, like it's a, it's kind of a modern thing that like you would see like like wrestlers grabbing the refs and like like for instance, like when they're doing like the the golf yeah. card and whatnot. Yeah, I. <laughs> It's going to be a weird life as a, as a touring referee to have to not only do official like officiating in matches, but knowing that you have to go there a couple of days or a day early just to film skits yeah. outside of the ring. Because <laughs> uh, fun, fun little story about Jack Dunn he actually started as a truck driver in the WWF before you know upgrading to you know putting up the set to then eventually training to become a referee. So yeah, that's a very similar kind of um, kind of path that a lot of refs back in the golden age took. They started out as um, as kind of like truck drivers or ring crew, and then eventually they would upgrade and promote themselves to become either refs or ring announcers. In Tony Chimble's case, so it's a very similar path a lot of them took. Uh, another person who had a very similar path like that was Jimmy Corderas. He started, I believe, in it was. I, sort of 1987 where he was kind of in the back with part of the backstage crew and then ended up becoming slowly and surely a referee um uh in the early 90s to up until his last uh, last referee officiating in the wwe around 2009 uh jimmy corderas of course you you know him as one of the main official officials yeah. for smackdown um I'm f- uh one of the more infamous moments was jimmy was uh was the referee over the edge between the Godfather and Owen Hart, and um, he was yeah. he was in the ring when unfortunately Owen uh, fell uh, mm. during that match. Uh, he's he's uh, a very famous moment. If anyone's seen the Dark Side of the Ring episode, is that um, Jimmy was saying, "Oh, I was cleaning the ring ropes up, kind of trying to get the sweat and the and then the like the grease off of them." When suddenly I just felt the the ring rope whiplash straight out of my hand, wondering what the hell had just happened. And he turns around and sees. I mean, lying in the ring, and that oh oh, that's got a, that must have been a horrible. I want to know. I don't. What, I don't know how yeah, you, how that how how you process that. Um, Corderas, of course, was also the person who saved Kurt Angle's career. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've seen the Million Dollar Tough Enough back in two thousand and five ish, he was the one that was officiating the shoot fight between Kurt Angle and Daniel yes. Judah. And Kurt Angle almost had his arm broken. <laughs> Jimmy Corderas was the one that realised, oh crap, he's actually in a real submission. Right, I've got a quick count in to get him out of this. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, Corderas ended up leaving in 2009. He ended up popping up in Ring of Honor in 2012. Um, uh, officiating for that during a pay-per-view. And he retired soon after that. But then he ended up becoming a, a broadcaster actually, and has ended up becoming a commentator oh. at indie wrestling shows, and even has published a book, so he's doing alright for himself considering. Nice. nice. Good, 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 good for him. We got Teddy Long. Oh, come on. Yeah. Before we there had we had Teddy Long as GM, we had Teddy Long, the mm. referee. 
Funnily Before enough. he was making tag matches, he was refing them. Yes, yes, yes. You'd think for a man who was a manager originally in Jim Crockett Promotions at WCW, he'd come to be a, a, a manager. But no, he becomes a referee and he debuted in December 98 on Raw and stayed in that role until 2002. And shortly after that, of course, became the one and only <laughs> Theodore Long, who managed... Do you remember who he first managed, guys? I do not. Um, I I have the visual in my head of I have the visual in my head of Teddy Long in the do rag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was Rodney Mac. Hence, why the Mac Militant theme. Yes. Is so yes. Yes. There you go. To be uh, fair, I, would you were you saying in WWE? In WWE, yeah. Okay, yeah, because I had the visual in my head of of Teddy Long in the Durag, which, yep. by the way, they're fantastic pictures. I can't lie. <laughs> when he managed, I think that was when he was managing Doom, which was the team of Gottfried yeah. Rod Simmons. <laughs> Again, I, keep ta- I, I think Teddy Long keeps popping up more so than Jeff Jarrett nowadays, guys. Yeah, but again, though, he he is like a... Mm. He, he is a pretty fantastic link. <laughs> indeed, indeed. One referee I want to give a shout out is WCW official Brian Hildebrand. One uh, known as Mark Curtis back in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. But Brian was considered one of the most... Love, was one of the loveliest people that you could have ever have met and was widely loved by everyone that he knew within the professional wrestling industry. Started out originally as a manager in the territories. He was actually he actually at one point managed Cactus Jack, funny enough, at one point. Ah. Now, if you don't know who Brian Hildebrand is, you'll know his look. He was the referee that wore the bun-up shirt, the, uh, the bow tie, but he was the one that wore braces and elbow pads. <laughs> oh okay so he is a very iconic look to him uh unfortunately though brian hildebrand did have his uh was unfor- unfortunately passed away in 1999 at age 37 due to stomach and bowel cancer Damn. um as a matter of fact he was so beloved that they had uh, that um believe it or not he was the because of that he was the one that was able to get WWF, WCW, and ECW wrestlers to put on a memorial show just for him. Oh, so that night, out. Mick Foley, Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, Chris Jericho, Shane Douglas, Bruno San Martino, his trainer, Dominic Danucci, Terry Taylor, D'Lo Brown, Hugh Morris, Al Snow, Billy Kidman, Chris Candido, and a whole slew of others came together just for just for him in a memorial show. He, uh, most people would say he was one of the most genuinely loved workers that prof- in, in the professional wrestling industry at that time, and people were genuinely so upset that he had passed away. So, he's... Brian Hildebrand deserves love, because he was not a bad referee at all. He was actually a really good referee. He was cut, his life cut too short, because I think he would have been a great asset to to WWF at the time uh, if if he was if he was around during the invasion angle he would have been a great referee speaking of the invasion angle two referees come to mind when we talk about WCW yeah. the first one um, being Nick Patrick he was the NWO's personal rep now you know we went up talked about the rules 
of refs having a height requirement of six foot. Yeah, Nick Patrick is six foot two. Fascinating. And he dwarfed a lot of wrestlers during his time. Like, he dwarfed over Chris Jericho during matches in the Cruiserweight division. And what I love about Nick Patrick is not only because he was the, he's the he, he really acted up being a heel referee and did it tremendously well. But during his time as the NWO's personal ref, instead of wearing uh, the, the button-up shirt and bow tie, he wore an NWO shirt and a, a baseball cap backwards. Jesus. It was the radical 90s. <laughs> <laughs> He's wearing his hat backwards. That's how you know he's cool. That's how you know he's a bad breath. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's the evil ref. He wears his hat backwards. He has no respect for the rules. <laughs> of course, we know Nick Patrick is the senior <clears throat> official for WCW, or should I say the Alliance, and was the fawn in Earl Hebner's side during the entire time in that company. <laughs> He was also seen, he kind of really kind of went back to his role that he had as the NWO's personal referee, but being the guy that screwed over the WWF as the guy that ran in after a WWF referee was knocked out. Of course, the more things change, the more they say the same. Of course, Nick Patrick's biggest, biggest contribution to his time in the WWF was, of course, that barnstormer of a match that he had with Earl Hebner at WWF Invasion. <laughs> knowing that that happened just like it in a way it makes me hurt <laughs> like just... yeah. yeah and the reason i mean really the reason is because i had to watch it all these years later and <laughs> it's been preserved yep <laughs> so, so it's, it's again love that match way too that <laughs> it's just Although it did give me the amazing visual of Earl Hebner doing a senton, but that's a separate thing. Yeah, and the world's <laughs> weirdest Lufez press, my I had <laughs> All right, guys. I've been delaying it for a little bit longer, but let's talk about our love for one Charles Shane Robinson. Um... The, man, the man with the fastest 60 metres in wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> little little Nate himself, Charles Robinson, who, as I said and, and kind of alluded to when we were talking about this, is a big horror fan, so much so that he has like a man cave full of horror film memorabilia in his house. He has a full of replica, and I think a movie from an actual, the movie, uh, movie set prop of Freddy Krueger's glove as well. See, but I respect it, because I love the, all those stories about wrestlers who have like weird niche interests. Mm-hmm. I don't think horror movies is that niche. You have a room in his house dedicated to it. I'm like, you know what? Go you king. If I'm making that kind of money, I'ma do it. I'ma have a horror I'ma have a horror room. That's, yeah. that's just the way it goes. Not lie. If I if I had if I had that money, I'd probably be the same as sci fi, so <laughs> So would you believe that Charles Robinson of course, grew up loving Ric Flair from Charlotte, North Carolina. Of course, that's going to happen. He ended yeah. up biding his time in the Indies before repeatedly petitioning WCW uh, for a job. 
and he actually got a tryout match in 1997, uh, refereeing a dark match at, at a Monday Nitro. He was the match went down so well that he that he got signed to a contract a few weeks later. And was immediately whisked off for the WCW TV tapings at Universal Studios, and then became just became one of the most beloved and iconic referees in WCW. So much so that he ended up becoming the heel referee for the Force Horsemen, aligning himself with Flair, becoming Little Nate. And I shit you not. Almost had a little bit of time as the US champion. Almost. <laughs> because that got they get that got given to David Flair. Wrestling. But it's so weird Wrestling. seeing Charles Robinson in a Ric Flair robe. <laughs> like you know Yeah. Did he pull it off well? I actually don't remember if he pulled it off well. He had the Bleach blonde look down all right. <laughs> I mean, That's just yeah. Robinson, though. Yeah. Shows you how hardcore Robinson is, because soon after that all died down, um, Robinson had to undergo uh, surgery because Randy Savage, during a match between... Uh, <laughs> during a match with Little Nate, him and Flair, against Randy Savage and Medusa on an episode of Monday Nitro, Robinson, uh, Savage botched his elbow drop and cracked several of his verte of Robinson's vertebrae and collapsed his lung. Okay, I thought you were going to say ribs, not vertebrae. Yep. Yeah, like, what the hell? That Jesus is uh, a thing to have to go through. And he's still got the fastest 60 metres in wrestling. Exactly. And he showed you how much of an Iron Man ref he is. He came back only several weeks later after undergoing treatment. The yeah. hell? That's crazy, but that's also just wrestling because, uh, as yeah. we've established many times before, wrestling does not have <laughs> healthcare plans. Uh, so, as as we've as we've discussed, let us talk about the fastest sixty meter dash in WWE. <laughs> Actually, maybe it all it on planet Earth, and talk about his time as quite possibly one of my personal favorite refs in WWE. <laughs> I. Just the image of Charles Robinson running down the, to the ring at WrestleMania 24. Yeah. <laughs> During the World Heavyweight Championship match between Edge and Taker. <laughs> it's just, it's just... Also... <laughs> Sorry. Because <laughs> I'm picturing it in my head now and it's making me... Yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. It is the closest I've ever seen to like a live... Monty Python sketch. <laughs> dun, 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 because that's immediately like, what I was thinking. Literally, that's literally how it happened. And he run I, that stride. If you haven't seen it, look it up. It is, it is astounding. Astounding just, piece of camera work. You know I'm just hearing chariots of fire sometimes as well. And <laughs> running down in slow motion. <laughs> <laughs> he needs a Vangelis entrance fee. That's all I'm saying is what Charles Robinson needs. <laughs> oh, but honestly, I think that's what kind of solidified him as well because he did the exact same thing uh, at WrestleMania uh, 26 during the uh, the uh, Shawn Michaels Taker match as well. <laughs> and again, what I love about that is that he had to pump the brakes a lot sooner than he actually had to at WrestleMania 24, and he does his arms just flail all over the place. 
<laughs> I it's just it's just amazing though because like he is I don't know it's such a cool visual though of like mm. the ref being like oh my god I really need to get down there like right now like, I need to book it to get there <laughs> it's just it's it's it's, it's it, you want to see it more in refs you want to see that passion of the oh shit I need to make I need to do this 60 meter dash down this bloody half mile entrance ramp for Wrestlemania just to make the freak I don't know because the thing is though is it, it feels like it, it feels right though mm. because like like there should be people caring about decision making <laughs> yeah but then, but it seems that Charles Robinson's the only one who genuinely cares about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, this man, as I was researching on Charles Robinson, has had a litany of in, like of of real hardcore injuries. So I've told told you about the the cracked vertebrae and his collapsed lung, uh, due to Rand, uh, Randy as uh, Randy Savage uh, botched elbow. So. He's had more than just this. So early on in his career, he had his elbow knocked out of his socket whilst refing a match. Okay. Um, wow. Unfortunately, it was when one of the uh, wrestlers kicked his elbow out of it, out from under him during a pin attempt. Whoa. So that was whoa. he was out of action for four months from that. Uh, but from what I've heard, he actually po- tried to pop his elbow back in to continue the match. There was a freak accident. Uh, he suffered a freak accident during uh, WWE's first tour of um, the beautiful city of Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. Oh, yeah. So, while, yeah. so while trying to help set, set up the ring, he ended up nearly losing his thumb. What the, the fuck was it? Was it, the, was it like something to do with the ropes? It might like, be. It uh, might. Be. I think it was due to the turnbuckle and the ropes, and it snapped off, and it almost took his thumb with him. Oh. Uh, but that injury required seven, uh, six stitches, I should say. He tore. He tore the top part of his foot. Seven minutes no. into the match between John Cena and AJ Styles at the Royal Rumble in 2017, which, funny enough, he continued the match uh i believe that the part of the foot he broke actually no no it might have been ah no it's not the top part it was the plantar fascia which is the connective tissue that supports the arch at the bottom of the foot okay wait just just give me a second though might be the front or the back front or the bottom wait wait, you're telling me he he tore the connective tissue in his foot seven minutes into that match yep and kept going I swear that match was like 25 minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> what he the hell? He completed the match, went into surgery. Two months later, he was able to come back. This man, I know they talk about John Cena being the Iron Man of, of injuries and recovery, but Charles Robinson beats him by a country mile. What the hell? This Why is... is everyone in wrestling just like cracked? <laughs> This is so unnecessary. And of after, and you know, he is a referee. And you know what's so funny? Three months after that, he came back from injury. He fractured his left index finger. Okay, but I feel like as a, I feel like as a referee in a wrestling match, though, that's probably not. It wasn't his. It wasn't his fault, though. You want to guess whose fault it was that he that he, he fractured his finger? 
I want to say mm, who I want to say. Who was he in a match with? Can we can we get that? Can we get the fifty-fifth? Yeah. No, because yeah. then you'll know exactly who it is. Oh, was it okay. Nia Jax? No, no, it was, was Baron. It, it was Baron Corbin. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. Um, wow. Man's still referring to this day and has become the senior official for the WWE. As of as of April 2020, still going strong, and I mean, in terms of invaluable, like if 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 you don't keep Mike Kyoda, I'd say you 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 need you need to beg to keep Charles Robinson, yeah, in your company. <laughs> Iconic referee, I think, is one thing that you need to say. Absolutely, I'd, Absolutely. I'd say him. I'd say him. And Red Shoes are probably, in terms of modern day wrestling, are probably the two most iconic referees in professional wrestling. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's go over then to AEW and some of the most notable names, of course. We've talked a bit about Bryce Remsburg. I think he's one of the one of the best referees going today. Look, I know not everyone's going to understand it, but if you want the best summary of Bryce Remsburg, watch Invisible Man versus Invisible Sam. Yeah. It is genuinely one of the greatest wrestling, uh, refereeing performances I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And it's even weirder that you have to watch it in this kind of... I don't even know what you'd call it. I'd guess like it's like wrestling absurdist theatre. Yeah. Where both the, the performer... <laughs> <laughs> And the audience are all in on the joke, mm-hmm. but treat it as completely real. It's mm. it's genuinely incredible. It's like it is almost like a one man one man variety show. Yeah, he's like it, it's genuinely incredible. But he... I know that people are gonna go are gonna get in the mentions and be like, "Why are you telling me to watch a match between two invisible performers?" But that's uh, the thing. He makes it. I, I know it's the silliness of it, but he genuinely is so perfect because he makes it work. Like he's again. Remember, we all are under you know the unwritten you know rules. We in wrestling shows when we watch wrestling, as we all know, it's a performance, but we buy into it. We invest into it. That match alone. Bryce Remsburg and what he, his physicality and his officiating in that match, you buy into it and you love every single moment of it. Like, all I have to say to people is forget the fact that it's Invisible Man versus Invisible Stand, which I know is difficult because that's the entire premise. <laughs> but just like free, open your mind outside of your wrestling conventions if you're not the kind of person that's going to watch this. Just like try and let yourself go outside the box for a moment, mm. and you will see genuinely one of the most inventive wrestling matches performances that you ha- will have ever seen. Basically, don't be a fud. <laughs> it's just so have fun. Um, for once life. in your life. For once in your life. Um, that's not to go put aside, of course, Brent Bryce's 
amazing career in CZW in Chikara, yeah. IWA Mid-South. He's been around for an incredibly long time and has been such a mainstay for the American indie scene. So just from a like like a, a standpoint as a fan and been watching these promotions for so many years, it's just nice to see someone like Bryce get an opportunity in a mainstream it's, company. If you're of the disposition and you can find some matches that you feel comfortable engaging with from Takara, I highly recommend uh, matches where Bryce Rumsberg is referee. Yes, absolutely. Agreed on that one. Uh, Aubrey Edwards. Ah, What an incredibly, like, interesting story that Aubrey has. So, before she became a referee... She has a back. She has her background in software engineering and computer science. She actually worked in the video game industry for several years as a producer. She, funnily enough, was uh, she was the producer for the Scribblenauts games. Oh, yeah. Wow. She, she ended up becoming lead producer for the Scribblenauts Unlimited game for Wii U, uh, and that's the reason why she had such a prominent role in AEW games is because she has a humongous history in the video games industry and they were like oh what's Aubrey Edwards doing on the AEW game scene I'm just like just look her up for like two seconds and then you'll see (laughs) so fast fast career software and gaming (laughs) exactly so before becoming an actual ref Aubrey gained infamy in the wrestling uh, business for becoming a meme as peering in, as the Daniel Bryan crying girl uh, during yeah. Daniel Bryan's retirement speech. Uh-huh. <laughs> and in 2017, she decided to get trained up to become a referee. She ended up, of course, peering at 3-2-1 battle as Girl Hebner, <laughs> spelt G-E-A-R-L. Inspired name. Great. Great name. And, uh, for anyone who hasn't seen it, and again, if you feel comfortable engaging with stuff made by Three Two One Battle, mm-hmm. there's a whole yeah, you know, there's the entire thing around it. Um, again, please do because it's very, very silly and very, very funny, <laughs> especially when she's officiating. Especially when she's officiating, uh, and like, a legit thing as well that she used, she used to show quite a bit of Three Two One Battle. She's a classically trained ballet dancer as well. She got some talent, don't she? She really does. I always liked her matches just because they took the tropes to like an absolute extreme. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you so this: just, if you can think of the most like oh heaven of things to do in a match, then that would be what happened. And, also, yes. shout out to my other personal favorite referee that was in three two one battle, the lifeguard. Yes, that's a separate thing. Though. <laughs> um. Aubrey Edwards is hardcore as hell, and I've always really liked her officiating in AEW. Most recently, the uh, the Thunder Rosa Britt Baker cage match, which saw her yeah. crawl on her hands and knees in, in thumbtacks and make the pin and get her hand covered in tacks. If you want to know how for the business Aubrey is, I, there's a match. I want to say it's from one of the WrestleCons. Mm-hmm. Where she just gets blasted in the head with a frost kick by Ray Phoenix. It's one of the most sick I've seen that yeah. clip. And everyone, everyone in that audience is just screaming. Uh, it's like people are there and they're like, ah, oh, Ray Phoenix, how could you hate Ray Phoenix? At that mo- exact moment, everyone wanted his head on a plate. Yes. <laughs> yes. 
beautiful selling. Beautiful like, selling. It's, he absolutely guns her. <laughs> like it, it's legit. Just it like is, the sound. It is. Yeah. It is a. It is horrible. It is horrifying. Yeah. And it's, I think that is like sentiment is right there. Everyone wanted his fucking. Ah, <laughs> uh, can I talk a little bit about Rick Knox? Yeah. Now, not a lot of people know of Rick Knox, but he is a very famous uh, referee in California independence. Uh, Rick uh, got his start in PWG and in the California scene. He also ended up becoming one of the senior officials for Lucha Underground. Great shout there. Did a great job. But he's most known and most famous for being the fawn in the side for the Young Bucks in PWG. I was going to say, because it... (laughs) For a that, man, was where, that was where he became most well-known. Indeed. For a man who flossed at PWG, I shit you not, Reardon, he did the floss. Oh, gosh. It, it's, it's cursed viewing. You, For you the man you. who super-kicked the Young Bucks on more than one occasion, and, I sh- and again, I shit you not, did a top-rope tope con hilo to the Young Bucks outside into the... <laughs> to the outside... Rick Knox I, I, takes my place as probably one of the most blurst referees in professional wrestling history. Uh, don't, what... forget, don't forget the PWG match where someone throws, I'm using air quotes here, cocaine yes. at his face and yes. he takes out everyone in the ring. That's yes. a real spot. That is, actually, that is an actual real spot, read and that happened on a PWG show. You know what? I ain't even mad. Of course, one of my favourite moments of his in AEW was the time that he almost got killed by negative one during a during a dark order match with uh, number ten one. Rick Knox went to lift up negative one's hands, and negative one went fuck that and pushed it. <laughs> to which Rick Knox sold it for him, <laughs> which put in my mind as Rick Knox is the greatest referee in AEW history. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I wanted to give my plaudits there to Rick Knox for just being yeah, one of the most out there referees in, in wrestling. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, just absolutely incredible moments. He's, he's, like the, he's like the opposite end of the scale from Earl Hebner. Yes. Uh, whereas, whereas Earl Hebner is like crazy for the sake of like making things work for the sake of booking, Rick Knox is just crazy. <laughs> just out of his mind. Oh, Literally, I'm, I'm glad. Uh, yeah. Oh no! Now I remember. Now I remember him, and I remember him diving yeah. out of the damn ring. Yeah, like a <laughs> madman. <laughs> it's oh. so good. It's so good. I'm rewatching it because I've seen yeah. it before. <laughs> I love it so much. It's so it's so great. <laughs> All right, I'm glad you brought him up, Dad, because we finally could end oh, on the ban, the myth, the legend, Earl. Hebner. The cryptid. <laughs> Quite frankly. Uh, I, what I want to do is I want to just quote, and fun fact, Reardon, this was something that you said before. Really? Yeah. Okay. Oh, Hebner is the referee that's best is the referee that's best known for doing his job the worst. That's <laughs> <laughs> That, and that was a quote from me, yeah? Wow, that's yeah. a pretty good quote. Yeah. I've got a second. <laughs> and the thing is, ever since you've said that, you are absolutely right. Yes. <laughs> so, for a man 
who would constantly get knocked out, for a man who constantly just ended up punching and pushing referees, for a man who screwed Brett. <laughs> <laughs> and most people would like to let him know that. And by the way, he capitalised on that by making merch, by having a merch, like a t-shirt and TNA during his time in TNA. So yes, I did. Yes, I did it. <laughs> For a man moment. who had a weird storyline in TNA, may I add, with Madison Rain. It was a whole thing. <laughs> I don't want to have to think about it again, to be honest. But... He has had one hell of a career, ended culminating at All Elite Wrestling, until he retired in 2021. Earl Hebner is one of the weirdest, but also one of the worst referees I think wrestling's ever had. <laughs> Do you remember wrong. the rivalry he had for t- a two-year rivalry he had with Triple H back in the day? Uh, kind of. It was that during that rivalry actually that he actually gave Jericho uh his first WWE title win, and then he reversed the decision because he fast counted. Yeah. Hefner. <laughs> he also was involved in a match in a tag match. Him and The Rock went up against Triple H. And I believe it might have been um, X-Pac. I think so. And that was during, I think it might have been during an insurrection pay-per-view. So again, doesn't matter. Doesn't count because it doesn't, it's (laughs) non-canon. Yeah, he was a thorn in the side of the Helmsley, of the McMahon-Helmsley regime during that time. And then, uh, of course, he goes to TNA and comes even, just just even weirder, man. So I could go on. Is the bizarre- TNA is the bizarro world. Is the is the much bizarro world because <laughs> because we get to 2012 and he starts a romance storyline with Madison Rain, which then he he ends up kind of being biased as a ref and ends up pinning yeah. you know counting fast counts for Madison Rain in her matches. It's so creepy. And this brings us to the most infamous, or dare I say, the most iconic thing in Earl Hebner's career. In 2012, Earl Hebner creates his own Twitter account. And gentlemen, I'd like to share with you some of the most iconic tweets Earl Hebner made (laughs) back in the day. You've got your ones, I've got mine. (laughs) I've got... uh, Well, actually, I've I've got basically all... I've got 11 of them, and I've pretty much got all of them. And I'm going to share them with you, but while also, you know, <laughs> while also, you know, talking about them. So, the first one we have here is, oh, uh, by the way, this is directly inspired by Deadlock's segment on the best I'll have the tweets. Look, right. Oh, we're, we're taking from it, but like, to be honest, there's so many that it's just like, it's the same as Nick Gage's tweets. Yes. Like, their segment on it is amazing, but there's always just more that you find. And these are, so, these are just some of the amazing ones. So, first one, back in 2013, someone says to Earl, uh, Hi Earl Ebner, could you screw me for my birthday? To which Earl replies, I don't hang with sluts. Yes. Oh, man. Oh, me, oh, my. Uh, okay, can I, can, I, can I jump into one? Absolutely, you can jump into one. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is from May 1st, 2012. Uh, Earl Hebner tweeted, 
to start this off right, did I screw Brett? Damn right I did. I've got shirts that prove it all at, at <laughs> prove it all at Impact Wrestling live events. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Another one. Uh, I don't think Earl Hebner didn't really get used to how Twitter works or even the DM, uh, the DM feature of Twitter works. So there's a whole Twitter thread of Earl Hebner just going, you got it. You know we are. You got it. Okay, pal. You on. You know we are. Okay, pal. You got it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I like to this one. Uh, From May 14th, 2012. If my son at Baby Hebner would stop trying to do everything properly and just be like me, he would be more than just a ref. I'm a star. Do what I want. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, it's just like brilliant what is what can we even say man this one is uh, is one of my personal favorites someone tweeted at earl hebner what about stealing merchandise from wwe and selling it or letting madison rain win all the time so you lie earl you lie to which Earl replies first of all you are stupid yes you have your shit out of order i guess you are brain dead idiot go fuck yourself <laughs> it's <laughs> Oh, all right, man. here we are. This one's like number three on my list because it's just so absurd. I, I hope you're ready for this ride. May 21st, 2012. Oh, have the tweeted. Got in a wrestling match today with yellow jackets. Got stung eight times. I look like a pregnant woman. I know where the hole is. Shit's on hashtag GFY. <laughs> I. <laughs> Whoa, that's a lot. Oh. Every single step, it just gets more confusing. <laughs> and I just love the, ha- the shit song, hashtag GFY. This one makes me laugh. You can't abuse me. I will make you look like a shithead in front of 10,000 people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. This man is just. And, and another it, one it, it, it just like to be it's all the unhinged energy of boomer tweeting yes yeah another one that makes me laugh in the same vein as the previous one you better be nice to me if i am going to follow <laughs> hey you ready for this one Simple. june 26 2012 i might be an i might be a old man but i make more dollars than you'll ever make in life you couldn't pay my taxes <laughs> what what the fuck? What? What? To, like, as an insult, I almost want to steal that. You couldn't even pay my taxes. <laughs> oh, this one. Like, might... like, what kind of person is that a flex to? <laughs> this one might be my personal favourite. Uh, and I think Dan knows which one's coming up. So he asked someone, don't give BJ two sluts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Your mum should get a pimp and make so money for her big lips. She looks like Antisa. <laughs> what in God's name? <laughs> it's like big lips in capitals by Antisa. Big. Yeah. It's just like, what the hell is going on? Okay, this one. Uh, wait, I just lost it. Oh. Um... <laughs> Yeah, this one, this, this, here, here, this one. August 3rd, 2012. P 
people at home watching Impact, stop drinking, falling asleep. It's not me. It's you. I have 30 years of honesty. It's Tara's fault, not mine. <laughs> Which, if you don't know the storyline at the time... <laughs> uh, Tara put um, stuff to make people sleep in someone's drink. <laughs> wow. Yeah, spiking drinks. TNA was in TNA no, no, knew no bounds. No, they did not. Oh, no, they... I love this okay. one. This one Go I on. love because there's no attached pit. There's no nothing attached to this. It's just Earl tweeting, "What a great picture." <laughs> just... <laughs> I'm looking at other ones with just like I'm oh yeah, to... God. So um, before before I get to like my absolute favorite, like there's a couple, there's a couple, like just in there. Um, so like in Morgantown, getting ready for six PM show, sold out house, damn right, shirts just sell like hotcakes, damn lamb famous. <laughs> uh, in Detroit, cold as hell, lots of snow coming this week, coming this way this weekend. Uh, damn right, I did say that. What? <laughs> uh, it's and then the follow up tweet. It's cold as hell in Detroit, but not too cold to get a damn right I did it T-shirt. Those shirts carry a lot of heat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's oh, that's that's incredible. That's incredible. Too. Oh uh, man, my that's... last last my two last ones before I get to my absolute favorite. Uh, I am not aces and eights. I am just the most honest ref in the ring. That's why I am in main events. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then this one, which is Jerry Lynn. Thanks for all the thanks for all good times in the ring. I will miss you. You are great friend and one of the greatest workers ever. Uh, I get the feeling someone told him Jerry Lynn had died. <laughs> Uh, Jerry Lynn is still very much alive. He's in coach for AEW as we speak. Uh, but he tweeted that in 2013. Uh, now, if I may, I'm going to get to my favourite Earl Hebner tweet of all time. Is it the one uh, he on deleted, o by the way? On October 6th, 2012, oh. Earl Hebner tweeted, and I quote, 548153. <laughs> <laughs> it has. No context. <laughs> it just says five four eight one five three. Oh, let me just. Oh man, that's that's. I have terrific. no idea what this is in reference to. I don't know what it means. It just says five four eight one five three. Oh, okay. I want to share a few more with you, chaps, if you will allow me to. And so there's one I absolutely love. Uh, <laughs> Earl Hebner on July the 19th says, Just had new pictures taken. Damn, I am good looking. Madsen will love them. And then two minutes later, Just had new pictures taken. Damn, I am good looking. I know Madison will love them. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot about this one. I will get even with MVP. The war has just begun. Nobody shits on me. <laughs> I should say here, nobody is two separate words. <laughs> oh, this one I absolutely love from uh, from June the twenty fifth, twenty twelve. Your mama an asshole. <laughs> Brilliant. You Just know the worst. The, you know the thing about this is that watching the um, watching the um, the plane ride from hell, from um, the, from dark dark side of the ring, and having Earl Hebner be like interviewed, 
you start to understand where these tweets come from. Yes. Like, like originally I'm like, who actually, who, what kind of mind would write this? And then you look at Earl Hebner just like- anything to do with him and then you realize, oh, I understand why. Yes. (laughs) So two of my personal favorites are coming up. Uh, This one, where he, uh, someone said to him, you screwed Brett. To which he said, no shit, dumb ass, wake up, it's 20,014. <laughs> I've never seen that before, but I love it. <laughs> oh, I love oh it so God. much. It's, it's just, it's, it's... Two, two zero, zero, one, four. <laughs> oh... It's the one below oh, it that yeah. isn't talked about enough. Uh, just keep working your nine two five job for twenty five thousand a year, you ass hole, spelt with a W. <laughs> yeah. But my personal favourite one, and one that he uh, uh, he deleted, but was quickly screen capped by a lot of people. You know, oh, I told please. you that he didn't have a great he didn't have a great grasp on how to use DMs. On Twitter. Oh no! Oh no! I will take oh, no. your blowjob when you are ready to give it to me. Jesus! Jesus! <laughs> this is it's... why people over a certain age shouldn't be trusted with technology. Really shouldn't. Also, I can't believe that someone wrote it like this because it's like I have to. For those of you who can't see it, look, it's. I, capital W, will <laughs> take your, you are, blow J when you, just you, are ready to, number two, give it to number two me. That's how it my actually guy, is. My guy was still living in text speak. <laughs> yeah. My guy was worried about, about sending too many letters in case his credit gets taken. That's incredible. I'm, I'm, I'm fucking dying. Then on July 26th. Uh, 2012 via Twitter for iPhone at 6.44pm. <laughs> so that is I the glorious... I forgot there were also ones in there from um, when they had the storyline with Madison Rain. So like yep. June 24th, 2012, Madison Rain. I am proud of you. Yeah. Like, just the letter U. It was hard work, but I knew you letter could do it. You go girl dot full stop eat your heart out full stop LVU. <laughs> Oh my goodness! So that was the glorious world of Earl Hebner's Twitter, and I think there's—I think it's probably the best way to end this episode. No, no yeah. way, no else. There's no way of improving upon perfection, honestly. Oh, so that is all <laughs> about wrestling referees, chaps. Do you feel enlightened now that we got to talk about referees? Do you feel better now that we got to explore the best part of Earl Hebner's Twitter? I think. Yeah. This is the most wacky world of professional wrestling I can think of right now. It's a thing I can now say to people, hey, you think wrestling is normal? Even the referees are weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even the refs have carny shit in them. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They really, really do. Oh man, this has been a heck of an episode. It was fun to research, and again, it was really, it was really weird looking into the history of Earl Hebner's Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So that is all for this episode. On the next episode, oh, 
Oh boy, we got a doozy of an episode. We talk Ooh. about Wacky World. Who wackier than the big bad booty daddy, the genetic freak, Big Papa Pump himself? Yes, we're talking about Scott Steiner, everybody. What Just have we like done? That, this is the round. I I might as well not be here next week because Dan is going to have stuff to say, and I don't. And if I interrupt him, he might murder me. <laughs> no, basically, the only angle I'll ever have I'll ever have to posit about this is that WWE at some point absolutely should have put the strap on Steiner, but I know that they couldn't because it would literally be too dangerous a business decision. <laughs> yes, yes. We'll get into why. Oh, uh, we will, and then sub. But that is all for the next episode. Until then, I have been Sam. This has been Reardon and Dan, and you've been listening to the Sweet Chinwag Podcast. We'll see you, as always, on the next one. Remember, everybody... Do not give BJs to sluts. That, that's where we're ending? That's, that's where we're... That, that, oh. That's where we're ending. What a great picture. <laughs> I know, Madison will love them. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs>